0: this morning our scripture text is taken from paul's second letter to the church in corinth paul spent a lot of his time in this letter kind of defending himself and his ministry he was under attack not only from uh the jewish folks that followed him around and and uh, thought ill of him but he was also under some scrutiny by even the church uh, that he loved so much. And so some of the letter that it, it, here is uh, him defending his ministry. But then he comes and speaks this very powerful, powerful text from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, <clears throat> verses 14 through 21. And the heart of the gospel is really in this text. And so let us listen to his words. And I'm reading from the Message Translation. Christ's love has moved me to such extremes. His love has the first and last word in everything we do. Our firm decision is to work from this focus center. One man died for everyone. That puts everyone in the same boat. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life. A resurrection life, a far better life than people ever lived on their own. Because of this decision, we don't have to evaluate people by what they have or how they look. We looked at the Messiah that way once and got it all wrong, as you know. We certainly don't look at him that way anymore. Now we look inside, and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start, is created new. The old life is gone, a new life burgeons. Look at it, all this comes from the God who settled the relationship between us and him and then called us to settle our relationships with each other. God put the world square with himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. God has given us a task of telling everyone what he is doing, we're Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them, between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. How, you say? In Christ. God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong so we could be put right with God. Let us pray. Loving God, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts of our hearts be found acceptable in your sight. We thank you for your work of reconciliation on the cross. And we pray now that as your representatives on this earth, we will continue to be open to ongoing renewal, recreation, and reconciliation. And that we will be people who hear this text are changed by it, and carry the best news in the world out into our world, our neighborhoods, our friends, our relationships, wherever we are. Through Christ we pray, amen. Many of you will remember the Academy Award-winning film called Places in the Heart with Sally Field. It's a story of a young widow who was struggling against enormous odds, and the powers of evil in daily life in Texas during the 1930s. Forces beyond her control take away the only thing that her late husband has left her and her two small children, a little farm. And woven within the story, we see brutality, infidelity, racism, greed, all of this among people who populate this story. Now, if you've seen the film, or uh, maybe you, you can't quite remember all of it, you might remember this very powerful and poignant scene that is at the very end of the film. film closes with a scene in a little church, a communion service. And the camera focuses on some of the good citizens or people that we would regard as, as upstanding moral good people of the town, And then as the camera pans, it moves also to show a few of the, well, let's call them the not-so-good folk in that town. We see the banker and others who conspired to take away the young widow's farm. And as the camera moves with the cups of wine, we see the faithful African-American farmhand who helped bring in the crop so that the widow might make an attempt to pay her mortgage Next to him is their blind border, And the plate continues to pass, first to the widow's children, and then to her, who is seated next to her late husband. And while taking all of this in, we see the man who shot her husband. He's there too. And they share in the communion, as each responds, as the cup is passed, the peace of God. All are gathered at the same table, sharing the same bread and the same cup of salvation and suddenly we understand that this is more than just a typical sunday worship in a small town in impoverished texas in the 1930s but rather represented as the feast of the kingdom of heaven eternity captured in one visionary scene in other words we are given a glimpse at the way Jesus sees us. We begin to understand that in Jesus Christ, God has called us home. God has given us the gift of salvation, and he has invited everyone to this great homecoming. As the songs we've heard throughout this service proclaim, and as that song, come as you are, be here, God is calling you home, that's what we see in that story. Paul in our passage puts it this way, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. In other words, before we ever knew of God, before we ever heard of Jesus, before we even knew that anything was wrong with us, God was already reconciling the world you and me and those around us, to himself, not counting our sins against us. So here's this powerful picture. As we see not only the hope of a new creation in eternity, but also the possibility of a fresh start. A new creation. Reconciliation with God and with others each and every day. Now, let's listen and make sure that we know that what Paul's not saying here, he's not talking about a new and improved edition of our old self. He's talking about a whole new reality. And, you know, if, if it weren't for our hunger, our deep hunger for uh, self-improvement, we wouldn't see so many self-help seminars and books and online resources and self-help gurus all around us they've been around it for a long time and they continue to be around there's a hunger for that what they offer why because deep within our spirit we have a kind of pervasive discontent we feel like we're not quite good enough we need to be better we need to improve we long for a fresh start But having said that, we also know something else, that that's hard for us. That change itself is hard for us. I heard it said that the only human being who really wants change is a baby with a wet diaper. (laughs) And I think that's probably true. We're a little bit like rubber bands, you know, you can take a rubber band, you can stretch it this way and that and up and down and let it go and what does it do? It goes back to the same shape that it was when you started. We're creatures of habit, people who are comfortable with status quo, even though deep down inside we want to be better, we want to be different, we think there are areas in our lives where we could be more what God intends us to be. And then comes this stunning word of the gospel, reflected in our text, That God has created us for something more than what we typically settle for in this life. So how do we get that? How do we make a fresh start? Well, Scripture is clear throughout. To be the people we hope to be, the people we know we ought to be, the people in our best moments that we long to be, we just can't will ourselves into improvement into betterment. You know that, right? You've tried. There's all kinds of areas in your life, I'm sure, where you've tried to be better, and it almost never works. We can't grow into a new and improved edition of our former self, no matter how hard we try, and no matter how many self-books we read. Self-help techniques, they're not bad. They're helpful, but they will only take us so far. Minor improvement here and there adjustments tune-ups whatever you want to call it well that might be a possibility but real fundamental lasting change requires something outside of ourselves something beyond ourselves something completely different and that's what paul is here to tell us about his great declaration declaration is that If any human being is in Jesus Christ, there is a new creation, a new reality, a new possibility, a new relationship with God, self, and others. Remember creation. Remember the story in Genesis, those opening verses, that powerful, powerful text. And God is seen there, and everything is in chaos. And God, the Spirit of God, is moving and hovering, shaping the chaos. He's over the dark waters, and all of a sudden there is life, and there is light, and there is order, and everything makes sense, and everything fits together. That same God says at the end of the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verse 5, See, I am making all things new, promising to bring something into existence that was not there before. This is the same God who loves to keep doing, as Isaiah declares in chapter 43, a new thing. Thing. It's the same God who says through the prophet Ezekiel, I'm going to put a new spirit and a new heart in people. Who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want that for themselves? So here's the good news for anyone who wants a fresh start. For anyone who thought that life could not be any different or any better than it already is. Here's good news for anyone who wants to be free from old habits. From old patterns of living that haven't gotten us very far in life. For anyone who wants to be released from past guilt. uh, Sins and, and thoughts that haunt us and trouble our souls. Here's good news for anyone who feels trapped in their present way of thinking or of being, stuck with attitudes that are unhealthy. Here's good news for anyone who wants his or her relationships to be healthier. Here is good news, great good news, for anyone who is tempted to give up, lose hope, assuming that real change is impossible. Here's good news for anyone who is in any kind of discouragement or despair about their life. And here is the good news, and we used to see it on a bumper sticker, and it sounds so darn cliche, I hate to even say it, but I have to because it's the truth. The good news is that God isn't finished with any of us. Not our church, not our world, not our individual lives, not our communities. He's not finished It sounds cliche, but it's really true. I love what John Knox, who uh, was really the founder of Presbyterianism, as we have known it over the centuries during the time of the Reformation. And of one of his messages, John Knox said, I am not the man I ought to be, I am not the man I wish to be, and I am not the man I hope to be. But by the grace of God, I am not the man I used to be. Right? That's the new creation. Every day God is refashioning us, restoring us, reshaping us, like that spirit hovering over the waters at the beginning of time into the very likeness of Jesus Christ. That first chapter and second and third chapters in the book of Genesis Describe our situation that we were created in God's image, God's very likeness. And though we may have warped and damaged that image, and though we may have wandered far from God's good intention for us, you know that song, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. That's us, even though we've prone to wander from God's good intention, the Lord continues to call us home, to reach out to us, to make us new, to give us that fresh start every single day. The promise of the gospel is that change can come to your life because Christ is in you and you are in Christ by virtue of his life, death, and resurrection. You are in Christ. The old is gone. The new is here. A number of years ago, Senator John McCain returned to the Hanoi Lake, where in 1967, after his plane had been sh- shot down, he plunged into that lake, injured, and he was dragged ashore, and he was beaten, and he was taken prisoner, where he would be pr- a prisoner of war for over five years. And there was a photo uh, taken several years ago of John McCain back at that same lake shaking hands with crowds of Vietnamese citizens. The same John McCain who was tortured and brutalized for over five years as a prisoner of war. Was he the same John McCain that was there in that infamous prison known as the Hanoi Hilton? No. He wasn't. He was a different John McCain. The bitter war in Vietnam had yielded to reconciliation. And here he was as he strolled around with his family by the busy shorefront of the capital's Truboc Lake, shopping at a sidewalk, stopping at a sidewalk memorial that had been set up to mark his rescue. And this is what John McCain said. Back then He said, "I put the Vietnam War behind me a long time ago. I harbor no anchor, no rancor. And the people on the street seemed to be the same, because uh, they were following him around, and they were greeting him as a friend, and they were shaking his hand. And if you know anything about John McCain, you know that he went on to become a senator, of course. And that over the years, he has been a leading proponent of rebuilding relations with Vietnam. Could he have done that on his own? I don't think so. It was a fresh start. A fresh start for a war hero, a senator, and a nation. A powerful, powerful example of what Jesus is here to offer In his life, death, and resurrection. A new reality. A new creation. People of God, that's what the new creation looks like. When it gets up and rocks around. It looks like something that we could never have believed would ever happen. It looks like new attitudes and fresh ways of thinking and being. And imagining and dreaming and hoping. The new creation looks like healed relationships that were once thought to be irreparably damaged. The new creation looks like discouragement transformed into hope, darkness pierced by light, sadness turned into laughter, emptiness changed to fulfillment and purpose. The new creation looks like a fresh start in a marriage that has soured. It looks like release from the shackles of addiction. The new creation looks like Jesus shining through the hearts and minds of action and actions of ordinary people who have been transformed and are continuing to be transformed by the renewing power of God. It is true. God is not finished with any of us, with his world, with our community with our church, with our families, with our friendships. God is not finished. The new creation, remember, and this is important, is not the result of exercising greater determination, coming up with fresh ideas, trying a new strategy, exercising stronger willpower in our lives. The new creation is the result of nothing more and nothing less than God's faithfulness as he works works out his purpose in your life, in my life, in our world. Remember that Lamentations 3.23 declares that God's mercies are new every morning because great is God's faithfulness. Charles Wesley, I love the way he put it so well, in one of the lines of the hymn that we're going to sing in a few minutes finish then thy new creation pure and spotless let us be perfectly restored in thee I heard a story about a man who died but not in the usual way he was dead for a few tense moments while he was having a heart transplant and while on the operating table, as one new heart was being exchanged for a badly diseased heart, technically he died. And when he recovered and was sent home, people often commented to him, You know, you, you seem different. He said, Of course I'm different, he would tell them. I died. I died in that hospital. And I had to be brought back to life. And because of that miraculous surgery, I've been given a whole new life. The new creation. The new reality. A whole new life. A fresh start. That's God's promises, promise to every one of us. Let us pray. Gracious and merciful God, sometimes we get so stuck in our old patterns and our old behaviors and our old ways of thinking and being that we doubt that things will ever be any different. And then a light breaks through that darkness and we have hope again and we feel a resurgence in our spirit because we realize that you are never finished with us, that we are a new creation, that you are constantly bringing that new creation into reality. So, oh God, open our spirits to you. Allow us to uh, be shaped by you, to not resist the power of your spirit, but to come to you with open hands and open arms and open hearts, and say, "Yes, Lord, do your work within me, pure and spotless. Finish." Your new creation. We thank you in the strong name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.